Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park It's one of those things that, you know, I feel like if I do too much research on somebody that I won't ask any questions, you know, that it's one of those things that, and you can, and you can debate this too, if you want to, but that if I already know something about you, it's like, well, why would I ask that? And I don't want to ask just for, you know, content, I guess I want to ask, cause I actually truly want to know. Is that right. Correct? Totally get it. And I am going to push back on that as somebody who asks questions for a living. Sure. Yeah. Um, I would say this. Research has to start with what you want to get out of the conversation, right? As long as you know what it is that you want to get out of the conversation, then you can be curious. But I meet a lot of people, particularly reporters, and they ask me, you know, in post-game interviews, because that's my job, right? I'm a sports broadcaster. I do interviews all the time for a living. And in post-game interviews, people want to know, am I thinking about things on the spot or do I have them written down? And I have 98% of what you hear written down because in that moment, there's so much that's going on and I could get so easily sidetracked. I have to know what it is that I'm trying to get out of the conversation. So I think research looks different for different people. And sometimes it's not diving into the bio or reading the resume or the acclaim, but, but I do see value, especially when you are trying to get information in a short amount of time, which is what I'm doing and what a lot of people in business are trying to do too. No, I agree 100% with that. I think it does depend on the situation, just as you were saying, if you're at the ballpark, football, basketball, hockey, whatever, I mean, not baseball, but you got to be writing down notes the entire game just because Mm -hmm. a game could be roughly three hours and you want to make sure you're correct on whatever you're seeing and then you know how to ask, I would think, right? I mean, you know, I'm no broadcaster by any means, but I would think that that would be the best practices and to do it right. Correct. Well, and it has to be a very focused question. Sure. It needs to be very focused. It needs to match the personality of the person that you're talking to. It has to satisfy the audience that's listening. It has to be in line because I am part of professional teams. Right. It has to be in line with the front office. It has to be in line with uh, the entire coaching staff, right? Like there, there's a whole bunch of things that you're trying to do. So yeah, it is about identifying the very specific moments or the key plays, um, turning points, that sort of thing, and making sure that all of your audiences will ultimately be satisfied. That's gotta be tough matching personalities. 
correct? With the questions, the personalities, just because you're going to be interviewing so many different players just on the team, right? I feel like that would be one of the toughest things for me personally. Well, I spend a lot of time around these guys, though, and I do that on purpose. I show up at practices during football season four days a week. I am standing at batting practice every day. I'm at the ballpark. I will stand, you know, at a hockey arena and say hi to all the guys going in. That's part of the relationship building process. And that's where you get to figure out, are they introverts? Are they extroverts? Will they talk about themselves? Will they only talk about somebody else? You know, if you're talking to an extreme introvert, people think that in a locker room, Because an athlete is famous and because you put a microphone in their face, they have to talk and they have to give you a sound bite. They don't have to do any of that. They could tell me no 100% of the time. They have to feel comfortable enough with me and they have to know that I'm not going to make them look bad. Doesn't mean I'm not going to ask them tough questions. If you commit the error, if you drop the ball, you know, if you committed the turnover, that's going to be something that we talk about. But the more time I spend around them, the more time I figure out where their comfort level is. And guys in the locker room, it's a microcosm of your own community and your own food, your own friend group. Right. And and so an introvert, how can I draw them out of their shell? And they're never going to be the most talkative extrovert. But where can I make them comfortable enough to tell their story? So it is maybe the harder part, but to me, that's the fun part because when you actually connect with people, now you're getting some real answers and you're getting the story and you're seeing the emotion on their face. And that's when it really gets cool. I agree hundred percent. But when talking with players and athletes at the professional level, all right. So for example, I forgot when it was, but didn't Marshawn Lynch refuse to talk to me and he racked up NFL fines, right? So, I mean, do you just go on and move on? Right? He doesn't want to talk to yeah. me. No big deal. Yeah. Move on to the next. That's person. exactly right. I covered Marshawn his entire career in Seattle. And prior to that year where he stopped talking to the media, he and I did interviews after almost every game. Even when he stopped talking to the media in group sessions, he and I would still chat off to the side. He would talk about things outside of football all the time. In those moments, I can either try to force the issue with him And it did happen. I was the first interview where he started giving one word answers and he was just saying, yeah, the entire time I am the team broadcaster. Right. So in that moment, you got to figure out, can I get him to talk to me or is this just a waste of time? And I gave him a few questions. It was evident that it was just going to be a one word answer. So I backed out of that conversation. My view on it the rest of the way when Marshawn was in Seattle was I have 52 other guys in here to talk to. Why would I spend my time trying to get the one guy who clearly doesn't want to talk? Why would I waste my time? He's not going to tell me anything. And I don't have anything against him for that. I got 52 other guys that I could ask about his game. So I'm going to look at that instead of trying to force my agenda and my timeline on him. That is, that is an extreme case, but it, but it's absolutely an interesting one. Do you feel that is a, I know you've been broadcasting for 20 plus years now, and that Mm -hmm. is something you've picked up learning in the field and or is that something just that people just automatically would probably just go ahead and do, but it's something you just had as professionals like, all right, no big deal. Or people are just chasing Marshawn Lynch just because of the name and the, the clout. I think part of it is the relationship that I have with the team, right? I'm employed by the Seahawks. So 
I have a different responsibility than the other media members that are trying to be the one to get him to give a sound bite. And my responsibility is truly to get five or six players after every game to talk about that game. If I'm spending half my time hoping that Marshawn gives me something more than a one word answer, I can't possibly be good at the rest of my job. And I'm only going to make him look bad in the process. So I think some of that is recognizing kind of the bigger picture and where I fit into it. I'm not saying that people from national outlets shouldn't have been doing that. I mean, they, they had an assignment. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. Even some of the local media here, they were doing what they were supposed to be doing. But um, I had a different I had a different objective and I was looking for a different outcome. And I knew that he and I had an amicable relationship to this day. He'll come up and give me a hug. Right. It's not a personal thing against me. There was no reason for me to make it my personal mission to get him to talk on camera again. Um, so I could just move on and, and talk to the other guys who were very good in talking about Marshawn. That's what you really want. You want the answers. You, all right. So speaking of that, do you picture yourself as a storyteller? Yeah, absolutely. Actually, what I view myself as is the person who enables my athletes to tell the story to know whatever their story is, right? I'm just giving you a platform to do that. I am very intentional about how I ask questions. I am very intentional about the words that I use, the order that they go in, and I want them to show as much personality as they want, and I want to open the door for them to tell whatever their story is in the moment. Now, you might disagree with their story, because you might not buy what happened on that busted coverage downfield that led to the 75-yard touchdown pass, but I'm going to give them a chance to tell their story and I'm not going to interrupt on that. I might bring up a stat, right? I might bring up some trends in the game that would seem to counter that, but you get to tell your story, whether it's good, whether it's a tough moment in the game. And then I think of that as the entire story. You know, we don't talk a ton in a post-game interview about stats. That's just not what you're doing. First of all, I don't have them with me because I'm too busy juggling other things. I have things written down, but that's not what guys are talking about. Guys are talking about uh, the improvements that they made as a team, as an individual, you know, what they appreciate about their teammates. Um, they're the ones telling the stories. I'm just helping them. Yeah. And I, and I, that's kind of where I was going with that was just that, you know, you're for people not being at the ballpark, you're able to tell the story of the players and, you know, enable the players like, Hey, that I'm really feel like I'm at the ballpark. Just listen to the gin right now, based on what she's saying, you know, like Al Michaels was talking about the evolution of sports broadcasting at one point. It was just saying when the worldwide of sports, when he was in Germany, I think, and just that how he felt like it was his intent just to, you know, people in the United States it's like, Hey, I need to, get people involved and just watching the screen here. And, th and this was in the eighties or whatever, probably. Yeah. yeah. And that's what I feel like if you go back to before technology and before screens, I mean, people would gather around just to hear the stories and that's just part of what human connection was, you know, and just mm -hmm. that if you're a great storyteller and people would come to you and like, you know, obviously listen to what you had to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so I hope that the guys feel comfortable enough that they keep coming to me um, because I, I tell you, for as fun as it is to get doused with water in a postgame celebration after a walk off win, um, it is equally as challenging to walk into a clubhouse with 26 pissed off men who don't want to talk to you. Right. Or on an NFL Sunday 
53 pissed off men who don't want to talk about anything that just happened. And they see me standing there and they know that I have one job. And that one job is to get you to talk to me about what just happened. So I would hope that kind of going back to the amount of time I spend around them and the work that they see me put in helps to build those relationships so that even when the game doesn't go the way that they want it to, they still will tell their story and they will still use, they will still say yes to me in language that is appropriate for TV or radio. I watched uh, a couple of your videos and uh, I saw you dodging a bunch of Gatorade or water bags, yes. whatever they are. It seems like that's kind of fun though. It is fun. It's, it's part of a celebration. Yeah. It's like, am I going to get it drowned tonight or am I good? You know? So I know. Yeah. Yeah. And how, how long can I stick with it? so that I don't give it away, but I can still get out of the way. That's really what I'm calculating in those moments. Like how many questions is it gonna take for them to get the Gatorade bucket up to the top of the stairs? At what point in the question do I need to pull away and will the player still be standing there to get the celebratory bath at the end? Because there's a lot of things that are going on in that moment. Most of the time I, I miss all of the water occasionally, like in this last week, I, uh, I got doused pretty good. Yeah. I, <laughs> I loved it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, there's sports memories. I feel like people will have all their lives, you know, it's, Hey, I was on the field and got doused with Gatorade or whatever water it is. I don't really know. So, but yeah, for me, it is, you yeah. know, never being a professional athlete, but obviously, but yeah, it's cool moments like that. But Let's, let's take it back a little bit and let's say, get some of the listeners your background. So I know you went to SMU, go Mustangs. Mm -hmm. So was sports or professional sports broadcasting always the goal for you? I know you did some intramural refereeing, flag football and stuff, and that's kind of what leads you down the path. But before all that, was did you have any other career goals in mind or was it, no, I want to be a sports broadcaster? Well, at the time I went to school, there were not a whole lot of women doing sports. It was not really encouraged. I did not consider broadcasting at all until I was a junior in high school. Up to that point, I thought I was going to be a third grade Lutheran school teacher. Um, I just, I pictured myself working with kids and teaching and being in a classroom and being around people. And it never crossed my mind that I could do something else, partly because you just, I didn't know any broadcasters, right? Like, that was a special group of people that got to be on TV. And this was before the days of regional sports networks and of anything.com. You really only had your local news stations to model after. Um, my high school guidance counselor suggested that because I liked to talk a lot and was not afraid to talk in front of people, <laughs> that maybe broadcasting would be something that I, I could do. I started following that path and realized that if I was going to do that, sports was going to be the most fun. I had been an athlete growing up. My brother and I played sports year round. I was always watching sports with him, whether it was his games or on TV. And so it was just a fit. But again, 1996, they didn't really encourage women to do that. So I had some backup plans, but I, I was, again, very intentional about how I went about it, the jobs that I had in, in college so that people knew that I was taking this seriously. You know, I mean, this is kind of what, while you were talking, this was had me thinking. So I majored in, well, I started out in sports admin as for my undergrad. And one of my advisors told me that, you know, what do you plan on doing with it? Was, yeah, I, want, I plan on working in sports. I want to be some kind of director or facility manager in some, in some form. But he goes, well, who do you know in sports? I was like, well, I don't 
at right now, I don't really know anybody, you know, besides high school coaches and what I did. And, you know, back then he goes, well, you're never going to get a job. And that almost, you know, well, that basically deterred me to uh, a certain point saying, well, I guess I'll never go. So I started majoring in PE then. I guess I'll just be that guy. But, you know, I ended up working in recreation. And then when I went and get my master's, I did a couple of internships in athletics. And that was kind of like, well, I think you can, but it's just a matter of, you know, like you said, you know, obviously females weren't the cool thing to do or get into broadcasting. But yeah, if you want to work at it, you know, break the seal, get in there. At some point you can, if you have your mindset set to do it, right? You think? Well, yes. And you do have to be a little crazy. I mean, look, it's not, you have to be a little crazy, whether you are female or male working in this industry, right? Like there's, there's a certain level of competitiveness that you have to have all the time. Cause you never really make it. There's always somebody that's coming behind you. So you have to stay on top of your game. There's always new people to get to know and to build relationships with. Um, but the other part is if you want to work in sports, especially doing what I do, Sporting events happen on nights, weekends, and holidays without fail all the time, every year, every night, every weekend, every holiday. I didn't get a Christmas off for 15 years. And now, I mean, the Seahawks will probably, well, the Seahawks will play either on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day this year. So Christmas will come whenever it happens. And I think that that ends up deterring people a lot too. The salaries coming out of college are really hard and really challenging. I've seen a lot of talented people that just can't for one reason or another, just keep going with it, whether it's schedule or money. So yeah, you have to be a little crazy. There's a lot of stick to it stick to itiveness to it. And I would say in my case, a little bit naive, right? I'm stubborn and I'm naive. I'm stubborn in that I will not quit something that I start. And I'm naive enough to think that something great's going to happen tomorrow. <laughs> so if you just look at every day like that, you, you put together enough of those tomorrows. And then that's when you look back and you realize, yeah, I've, I've been doing this a while. I don't know if I would say you're naive. I think it seems when you're more hopeful. I mean, you know, you're putting in the work, you know, you're taking your, you know, taking, you know, you're not spending family or spending family time on the holidays. You're actually at work doing your thing and grinding it out. So, yeah, I wouldn't say you're naive by any means. I mean, you're a professional level. Yeah. Way I yeah. yeah. I would never say you're <laughs> naive. I mean, but I, get, I understand what you're saying because, you know, and also another point to me is that also I started going down the strength conditioning coach line as, inter, as another internship. And, you know, those guys mm-hmm. are in 12 to 16 hour days. Yeah. I did get to a point and I was like, I don't know if this is for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly uh, right. I mean, I want to be involved with this stuff, but it's not that side of the house. I did. I mean, I like working out and I thought it was cool at the time and to be a cool strength conditioning coach. And I know how much it benefited me during my life. And I wanted to benefit that with other player athletes or people, whatever you mm-hmm. want to say. But yeah, then I was like, mm, I got other, th- I got other things I want to do other than spend here for 12 or 16 hours. So yeah, but yeah, I agree a hundred percent that, uh, you're not, you're not, you're not naive. I think it's just a grind, a work ethic, a mindset that you want to be at the top of your game. This is, I mean, talk about your professional athletes, you know, how much they have to sacrifice and do things, you know, they're not out at the bar on Friday nights, you know, I mean, some of them are probably are, but for the most part, they want to make, <laughs> I'm not judging. I'm not judging who's at the bar on any given night. I'm not judging. The club or whatever. You might find me at a bar any given night. Who knows? But I mean, all right, to make it to that level though, you have to do sacrifices right. is what I'm saying. Yes. And there are outliers to everything, you know, you know, I guess you want to talk about LeBron James just growing up to be automatically great at basketball, any sport he plays, but yeah, but yeah, I mean, there is a, the whole point. Yeah. You got to sacrifice to get to a certain level. Mm-hmm. You and, do. And, and you're living evidence of it, but is it hard 
or was it hard? I mean, now that you broke the seal and you're, you know, obviously you're a female and got into a male dominated industry, I guess you could say, I mean, was there a lot of flashback on that at first? And that, did you have to go down a, like, what did you go down a certain road and you were like, Oh, this is not for me, but then I'm going to veer this direction. This is why I want to do that. You had a great moment. And it's like, okay, now I'm going down the right road. I'm good to go. Hope that kind of made sense. What I was trying to ask. So I would say, um, I guess I don't know any other way, right? Because I don't know what any other experiences for anybody else were. There were women doing sports. There just weren't that many. You know, you could look across the entire country and there was only a handful of women doing sports at the local level. And you weren't used to seeing women on the sidelines. And when I went to school in Dallas, one of the things that we did, uh, I was an intern And every week I had to go into the Dallas Cowboys locker room and get sound from the players. And they were not thrilled with seeing any media in there, particularly me. I think there was one or two other women in there. And um, I did not enjoy those trips into the locker rooms every week. I enjoy being with my NFL team now. And I will say that things have changed a lot because of what people are used to seeing now. So Guys today don't know what it's like not to see women anchoring Sports Center. They don't know what it's like not to have women on the sidelines of games or not to have a mom, a sister, an aunt, somebody who's played sports, right, at a at a pretty high level or taken sports pretty seriously. So the landscape today is much different than it was then. When you ask about the challenges, yeah, it's everything that you read in the books. I mean, it, it's everything um, from being called names to having people try to keep you from going into a space where all the guys were going to do their jobs. I had a job to do, but they didn't want me to go in and do mine. When I would get into the space, yeah, there was a lot of harassment that was going on. But the way I always looked at it was I was going to pick my battles and my battle was getting into that room because that's where I was going to do the job. And I wasn't going to go back to the TV station and say, I couldn't do the job because I was a woman. Right. I was going to go back and say, it took me longer. Um, They didn't really want to talk to me, but here's what I did. Here's the soundbite that I got you. Here's the interview that I got you. Right. Here's what, here's what we did. Um, I, I think I, whether that was the right approach or the wrong approach, I know that people will debate me on that today. For me, it was the right approach because there's only so many battles you can fight at one time, especially when you're 21, 22, 23, and what you need is a job and what you need is a paycheck. So that's what, that's what I would say about that experience. Well, what do you and mean? it goes back to being competitive and naive, right? I mean, like stubborn, competitive and naive. It's like, you tell me that it's going to be hard and you tell me that you don't want me here and I'm going to keep showing up. And eventually you are going to get used to the fact that I'm not going anywhere, folks. Like you might as well talk to me because I will do this every single day, every single day. What do you mean people would debate you on that? Just because that's not the best way of doing things? You know, just to go in there and get a soundbite, they would say that, oh, you should have just walked away. I mean, what do you elaborate on that a little bit? I, I think that people who have not had that experience, and I think that some of this is a generational thing, right? Um, I think that younger folks today would say that that is not a good workplace environment and that you shouldn't be harassed in any workplace. And that's absolutely true. Nobody should deal with harassment. No, nobody should deal with somebody trying to make their lives difficult. And the things that happened to me and to others in locker rooms in the early days, that 
first of all, it would never, it, I shouldn't say never. It does not happen. I don't see that happen these days, but you would never allow it to happen these days. And the response now is to call it out and to take a stand. And I totally applaud that. But I can't say that I did that when I was 21, 22, 23, because th there just wasn't the backing there. You, you couldn't go in and say, hey, yeah, but you know what? I don't like the way that guy's talking to me. And I really don't like the way that that guy sure. treats me. But like, what, what am I going to do? You can't do that. So I think when I tell my stories, I, I think that some people look at it and they're like, well, you should have done more. Well, I probably should have, but I also needed to pay some bills. So, you know, you make your choices as to what you're willing to deal with. And I was willing to deal with a fair amount until I got past that. And until it started to get really good. You know, I, I'm, I don't want to say I'm a firm believer in this, but I am feel like I have a theory that people need to go through certain experiences in life to develop their own uniqueness and individuality. And, you know, you know, I'm not advocating for bullying by any means, but I'm just saying that if you were bullied, you know how to handle that in some aspect yeah. of your life, you know, and just that do you feel like that those experiences helped you develop, you know, your career and who you are today and your personalities when you tell the stories of the players and doing your research and all that good stuff? Well, I think that it's given me a really thick skin, which you have to have in broadcasting. You have to have when you are at a regional level and I am recognized in a five state region. There's a lot of people that think that I do a great job. There's a lot of people that don't like anything about my job. And thanks to social media, I can hear all of it from oh. both sides. So if you think about while I was doing this in locker rooms as an intern, I was also becoming a high school football official at the same time. So my idea of fun, in addition to doing intramural flag football and other intramural sports, my idea of fun was to go out and spend three and a half hours to six hours, depending on how many games I would work, on a football field, getting yelled at by coaches, players, and parents, right? <laughs> that was my idea of fun. All of this is happening simultaneously in my life. And so I just think that I put my head down and committed to the grind. And now looking back, I can appreciate the fact that, look, you can say a lot of things to me right now that probably there's nothing that I haven't already heard. It's not going to be harder than it was back then. Yes, it has absolutely helped me. But I'm not sure I felt that way in the moment. I think there was a lot of... Um, there was a lot of individual come to Jesus moments of doing want to keep doing this. You know, so with that said, you know, being on the national spotlight and having, you know, Twitter and Instagram and all that, how do you deal with all the negativity coming your way? I mean, I know some famous people just don't read comments, they just block them out, but there is some who will you know, go down there and, you know, start reading every little comment there is. And they start, you know, having like a little Twitter war or whatever. And just, I mean, and, and being in your position, you know, with sports and, you know, being in a female, like you just said earlier in this field that you have to get so much. I mean, you just ignore it all. I mean, you, unless keep saying to unless the, I have wine, if I've had wine and I happen to open my Twitter feed for whatever reason, right? Like I'm checking on a score, I'm doing something. That's when I will um, be tempted. I very rarely. I very rarely respond or engage to the negative stuff if it's work related and they, they've clearly gotten something wrong, right? Like you just didn't understand that this was the situation. I will correct it. Um, but 
yeah, those are the ones where I type and then I delete and then I have another sip of wine and I type and I delete. And for the most part, I stay out of it because I know that I just don't want to deal with it anymore. Um, And I I will be honest, I don't look at Twitter that often. I will be on Instagram a lot more, but I, um, God, I think that Twitter is just awful. I think it's the worst thing that has happened to humanity, even more than Facebook. I just... God, that's a terrible place to live Um, for me. And I know that younger people feel differently. I know that that makes me sound old, but yeah, I just, um, I try to stay away from it a little bit. And I know that that hurts my personal brand. I know that I am sacrificing followers. I know that I am sacrificing a larger audience. I know that um, I could be doing more and I just, Every time I think, no, I'm going to be super active on Twitter. I do it for about two days. I get frustrated and burned out and I'm like, I'm done. No, I mean, I agree. Um, you shouldn't interact, you know, being at this level, you shouldn't interact with Twitter followers like that just because it's so negative and you'll get into this negative zone. And I feel like, you know, I guess objectively speaking or subject, subjectively speaking, that yeah, you get in this negative zone reading all these comments about people who know nothing about anything and just saying shit just to be cool and, you know, get a little at sign and say, who I tweeted at Jen or whatever, or, any, or whoever it is, the Seattle manager. And it's just like. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. And you can lead down, you going down hours reading comments and all of a sudden you lost an hour of your time and you're just like, why did exactly. I Yeah. And then, you know, I read stories that people should just post, don't worry about what the comments are going to be and move on, you know, and just stay true to who you are, stick to your guns and go. But yeah, I mean, but I can see how- It's a tough, but that's, a, that's tough advice to give, right? Because- it depends on how you were trying to use it. And there are some people, so Amy Trask, Amy Trask was former front office for the Oakland Raiders. She is phenomenal and she is phenomenal, phenomenal on Twitter. And she engages with people and she will go back and forth a little bit. And she knows what she's talking about, but she's very kind. And people feel like they know Amy personally. Heck, I feel like I know Amy personally because of exchanges that we've had on Twitter. There are some people that are very good at that. I just choose, like, I just know that I am so much better in person. If you want to get to know me, I just know that I'm so much better in person. I know that I am not great in the limited amount of time and space that Twitter gives me. So like when you say post, but then don't engage, well, then it, it becomes a very transactional relationship. There's nothing wrong with that if that's what you're looking for. But there are people that are trying to build brands and engage and they don't. That's not 
that's not always the advice that you should or could be following, which is where I get stuck in the middle, right? I don't want to be transactional. This is not my preferred medium, but it's the only way some people will ever hear from me. You know, I mean, I look at it like this way that, I mean, what's your favorite movie? You have a favorite movie? Oh, Dirty Dancing. No question. You didn't expect that one, did you? Oh, I did Followed not. closely by the sound of music. Okay. And then Top Gun's up there as well. Okay, well, so, I'll yeah. go with Top Gun. I'll go with Top Gun all day. Okay. But no matter what, that all right, Top Gun's a great movie. You and I just both said that. But there's always going to be somebody who's like, nah, I, movie shit. I didn't like it at all. Yeah. Like, what? Why, why did you, why did you, you didn't like it? You don't like Tom Cruise or what? And there's like, no, nah, I, I got to tell you. You don't like Tom Cruise. <laughs> That's just dumb. But then you go back and forth on Twitter and says somebody is always just wanting to be right because mm-hmm. they made their point. And I don't know if that's human psychology. It was just you know the way that generations are nowadays that they have to be right no matter what. But it's it's just a never ending battle. Even just like you said with your example. But does I just don't feel like you no matter what somebody's always going to be there and just try to outdo you. With one of mm-hmm. them, as you could say. Yeah, and that's I, I don't know. Like that's that was my whole point. Just like I think it's just best just to post, don't engage, don't worry about the comments i mean if you want to engage with certain people maybe just look at you know the athletes that you're interviewing or whatever but then all the other idiots out there don't worry about it so yeah i don't know but i guess where where i want to go from here is that so do you think that you had to develop also a uh what how, how do i want to say this you know you said you had thick skin you know it was your experiences that got you to where you are i mean was it you just having you know when you're outside of you know you're not at the ballpark you're talking with me right now i mean you're you always constantly watching sports center keeping up with twitter looking at what people are posting just to stay up on top of the news of what's going on so you're on top of your game yeah i mean not so like if i have a day off i probably am not going to watch a lot of sports just because i can't watch it as strictly a fan anymore um you're always watching it with an ear or an eye towards how it how it relates to you even if i'm watching a baseball game has nothing right it's a national league game has nothing to do with the mariners but they mention a topic that i might want to turn into a feature story so now my mind's going about like I will try to shut it off, but yeah, I mean, my job is to log on and check scores periodically during the day and to read headlines. I get a lot of alerts that come to my phone. The professional teams that I cover here in Seattle, every morning I get an email that has newspaper clips. So you go through and you read, there's game notes that come out every day for baseball and before every professional sporting event. So you're always kind of reading something. I might turn it off for a day or I might not watch a game tonight, or maybe it'll be on in the background, you know, while I'm making dinner or something like that. But yeah, it's kind of always there. It's kind of always there. Is it hard to stay unbiased, you know, when, you know, doing your broadcasting and. Well, it's that's, I don't actually have to stay unbiased, (laughs) (laughs) which is the benefit of being in my role. So I work for the regional sports network and we are partnered with the Mariners and the Kraken and we are root sports and our line is, you know, we are rooted in the community and we are rooting for the home team and we make no bones about it. We are for the Mariners and we are for the Kraken. I work directly for the Seahawks, so I can be biased towards the Seahawks. Doesn't mean that we don't talk about negative trends, bad plays, bad games. 
It just means that we do it a little bit differently than somebody who is trying to be very unbiased in the opinion. You know, the reason I asked that was just because, you know, with the NCAA tournament, you know, UNC, you know, Kenny Smith was calling a game and after they lost, you know, he just put his head down and Charles Barkley was over there, like, you know, kind of, you know, egging them on, like, you know, dancing around him and stuff. So I feel like, you know, obviously being an alumni from Kenny or from UNC and playing for UNC, I mean, just it's tough. You know, is it, it's just got to be yeah. a little bit tough. But, you know, with your example, yeah, I could see root sports. Yeah. Rooting for the home team. Makes sense. Yeah. I, I didn't even so know that. that way. It's easier. Yeah. It's, it's kind of easier actually that way, you know. Let's switch gears a little bit. So you got two or three books out. You know, mm-hmm. one of them is actually talking about how using sports to actually start engaging with businesses or making business mm-hmm. connections. You know, is that just something also that you learned in your career path and like wanted to share, like, you know, just hey, you don't have to be a true sports fan in order to engage with sports enthusiasts. You can just say, hey, I saw the game last night. Let's talk about it, you know? Yeah. So I would say this, there are all different levels of sports fans and very few of them use sports to its full advantage. Even the most hardcore passionate fans that talk sports all the time, I promise they are still not using sports to its full capacity. And that's what I do with Talk Sporty to Me, which is my business and it's business consulting. And we talk about communication skills and I'll tell you everything I do to get guys to talk to me in a locker room. But I'm also going to tell you how to use sports in a way that builds relationships. And part of it is explaining to folks that it's my job, just like you pointed out a few minutes ago, it's my job to watch sports. It is my job to be at the ballpark all weekend and to watch every pitch of the Mariners game or every snap of a Seahawks game. It's not yours. It doesn't make you less of a fan if you don't watch every game or if you don't care about soccer, but you love tennis. It's understanding how that can be used to relate to people. And it started 13 years ago when a group of women from KPMG asked if I could help them bridge the gap between them and their male counterparts. Their male counterparts were taking potential clients to sporting events here in town. Those potential clients became clients. So the book of business for their male counterparts got bigger. Their male counterparts ended up making more money as a result, even though these women had the same level of experience and schooling and all all of the rest of the resumes were the same. When I went in and I started to work with these gals, half of whom weren't sports fans at all, the other half were, but couldn't quite figure out like what was happening in all these connections that was benefiting their male counterparts. I realized how many different ways sports fans were missing obvious connections and ones that I see all the time because I'm talking to sports fans as young as three years old and as old as 93 years old and front office and I'm involved in so many different conversations. It's evident to me, but it's not evident to a lot of sports fans. So I like being able to give you more reasons to talk sports. Yeah. Just like you said, I mean, even though, you know, when you're talking sports, even if you don't know the full depth of the roster, who's hurt, you know, what's going on, did they win last night? But most people can at least make a connection through famous names, you know, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, you know, I'm watching a series on HBO max with Kareem and magic Johnson right now. And yeah, yeah, great series. Yeah. And so you can at least know the background of them, and then you can at least engage in a little bit of the conversation, whether that, you know, we've talked about that series, if it's actual true events or not, but yeah, you know, you can start to make connections that way just on sports alone with just what little knowledge you have. And then 
I feel like if you are up front in some case, like, hey, you know, I've been doing watching this documentary, The Last Dance. That's all I know. That's all my information I got. Yeah. Don't, don't. Yeah. There's a couple of things on that. Number one, I always advocate using sports as your go-to for small talk. Ooh. And the question is, did you watch the game last night? It's a good one. Now, right now we would know. Right now, if I said that to somebody, I might actually specify, did you watch the Mariners game last night? Right? Yeah. Did you watch the Warriors game last night? I might specify so that we knew whether we were talking about basketball or baseball um, during football season. I don't have to specify. On Monday, did you watch the game yesterday? Right? The Seahawks played on Sunday. Here's what I get when I ask that question. I get a yes or no answer. And quite honestly, I don't care what the answer is, right? I just need to avoid this weird game of 20 questions and trying to find a way to connect with you. So if the answer is yes, whether I watch the game or not, I can have you fill in the blanks. What did you think? Was the outcome what you expected? You know, like what was the biggest play of the game? What was the score, right? I can keep going with you on that front. If your answer is no, then the obvious follow-up is, what were you busy doing yesterday? Or what'd you have going on last night? Which is way different than coming right out of the gates, Chris, and going, hey, what did you do last night? <laughs> you know what I mean, right? And if you start with the weather, or if you start with something else that has no legs, it's hard to get back to that point where you are focused and going down a path, right? If I ask you about the weather, did you know, hey, it was sunny weather and it was this. Okay, yeah. And then like weather in Seattle is the worst topic to talk about. Heard that. It, it's awful. Most of the time it's gray <laughs> and rainy, right? I need another thing. So I would say that. And back to your point about you don't have to know anything. I will say define your area of expertise, which is a very nice way of telling people what it is that you want to talk about. So if your expertise is winning time or your expertise is the last dance. You do exactly what you just said. You know what? I'm not really into basketball, but I loved watching the last dance. Mm -hmm. I don't really follow the NFL, but I like to wear my Seahawks jersey on Friday or I have only become a fan in the last year. Here's what you're telling the person, the sports fan that you're talking to. I'm interested but my, my knowledge base is about this big. So if you want to talk to me about the Seahawks from the last year till now, great. I, I can do that. Anything else, I'm just going to stand here and nod, smile and nod, right? There's nothing wrong with saying these things out loud. We feel like we should know everything before we say anything. That's not true. That's not the way small talk works. Get out of your own way. And I will get off my soapbox right now on that one. <laughs> No, that's right. I mean, you know, early in the conversation when I was asking you about stuff that you've learned and, you know, your experiences over your career. I mean, that's kind of when I work in higher education also, and I also coach and compete in CrossFit on the side. But making that human connection with somebody, you know, learning that, hey, you know, you might not know sports, but you, I do know if you, you know computers or I don't know, whatever you want to say, that's because that's what's in front of my face. But you can make a connection through that and relate whatever material you're trying to do to relate to them. Like, oh, I can teach you. Their sports using like computers, you know, like, oh, you know, uh, Roger Goodell is the CEO of the NFL. Let's picture that as your motherboard of a computer or something like that. Yeah. That was. Yeah, how about the oh. NFL draft? The NFL draft is a hiring process, right? It's a job right there, fair. Right there. Right? Like, that's see, I never, I never put that together, but yeah, yeah. exactly a great point. Yeah. 
It's the reason I like yeah, everything that happens in sports happens in business. It looks different, but everything happens in both realms. Yeah. Yeah. You can make the analogies to everything. I mean, it's just, it's just a matter of just relating to the material and, you know, learning the person who in this talking, you know, like you said, and create small talk, seeing what they're about and what you're about and make that connection. It's just, you know, and like also you got to get out of your own way. And that's one of the issues, or not, not an issue, but one of the things I've learned with my time is like, Hey, get out of your own way, do something, put yourself out there, take a chance on something. You know, if you fall, get yourself, get back up, try again, learn from your mistakes. I think it gets hard in conversation though, because so like you're competing in CrossFit. If you try something and you fall, like you literally fall, you know what happens next. Mm -hmm. You get up, mm -hmm. right? And you decide when it is that you want to try again. If you've gotten hurt, then you wait until you're healed and then you try again. If you, you want to go for it again right there in that moment, you do that. When something physical happens, we know what that response is. I think it gets really tricky in a conversation. And this is where we get in our own way because we don't have the same muscle memory of, oh shit, what happens if something goes wrong, right? I put my foot in my mouth. I don't have a good intro. I'm standing there and I'm looking awkwardly at you and I can't figure this out because there's nothing, I, I can't like, I'm just gonna walk away. <laughs> I'm just gonna give you this deer in the headlights look. There are things that you can do and there's things that you can practice and there's strategies that I teach, but we don't think about that in the context of small talk. Most people want to write off small talk. Most people want to write off conversations that don't have anything to do with work because we're focused on getting things done. And I totally get it. But there is a time and a place to take 60 seconds to build towards a relationship and saying something like, and let me tell you, I will go into locker rooms and clubhouses, spring training, great example for me. First day of training camp for the NFL. There are at least 30 new guys in there that I have never met before. Sure. And I have to go and start introducing myself to those guys. And you don't have an option to wait until you feel like it because I might not ever feel like putting myself out there for 30 new people. And I am going to screw up at least one of those introductions. I'm going to trip over my own words. I have literally tripped on shoes in front of lockers into half-naked men before. That is not the impression I want to make. And in those moments, if you just state the obvious, people overlook this as a technique and a strategy. Just state the obvious. That is not the way I intended to introduce myself to you. I'm embarrassed enough for today. I'm going to try this again tomorrow. Something like that. Or oh, it could be, I'm not great at talking to people in person after the last couple of years. So this might be a little awkward, but I'm going to try it. Mm -hmm. It's amazing what happens when you become vulnerable enough just to say those words and get out of your own way. What happens to the other person? Because now everybody is on the same page and knows what's going on. You know, and talk about that being vulnerable and using humility. I think that's what people need to learn to get out of their own way and just, you know, be vulnerable and have this experience and be, you know, humbled by it, I guess, in a certain sense, but also be able to say, be straightforward with people. Hey, I, this is not how I wanted to start this, like what you just said. But most people, you know, and I, I, I can attest to this for sure that, you don't, you know, starting this podcast, I didn't want to look like a fool, right? You don't want to look like an idiot. Nobody, nobody does. Whenever they start something, uh -huh. that's, Nine times uh -huh. out of ten, they're going to be that person, you know? 
And so, but you have to to do this in order to get from point A to point B to point C, you know, and even doing this, you know, I'm not the same person I was five years ago. I'm not the same person I was 10 years ago. And I'm sure you can speak about that too, but you know, taking these chances at life, you know, ask the girl out, you know, tell the person you wanted to try, try to engage with them in some way to talk about small talk or talk about the game or whatever. Yeah. That's how you get out of your comfort zone. You grow as a person. Here's the easiest way to practice being vulnerable. Ask a question you truly don't know the answer to. Doesn't have to be a hard question. Doesn't have to be a serious question. The moment that you do that and you stand there and you wait for the answer, that is you being vulnerable. I ask a lot of questions where I generally know where the answer is going to go. I have to, otherwise it's not going to make sense in a post-game interview, right? I don't know exactly what you're, what you were going to say after seeing 11 pitches in the 12th inning and then hitting the game winning double, but I kind of have a general idea of where you're going to go. But the minute you come in and you ask a question that you don't know the answer to, like that feeling in your stomach and in your chest, that's vulnerability. And practice that in small ways, and you will get more comfortable with that and be able to stretch it further. That would be my advice, my easy advice on that one. Well, going back to our the beginning of our conversation, you know, that's reason part of the reason why I don't do as much research as obviously you do, just because you know, I'll, I don't know, I, you know, when we start this conversation, besides our few emails that we exchange back and forth or whatever, I don't know what you're going to say. I mean, and, and I'm putting myself out there and I don't want to rehearse questions and make it sound like a, an interview that we're just sitting there at a table going back and forth and nobody's really engaged with us talking, you know? Yeah, I totally agree. But again, here's what I'm going to say, because there's going to be people listening to this that, that will benefit from both approaches. I moderate a lot of panels and I do a lot of training for people who are trying to be on camera or who are presenting in front of a group of people like a panel moderator. And when people come to me and they say, I need, I I want this to be really conversational. My first piece of advice is then you need to script it out. And they will always push back and they will always say, no, 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 I don't want it to be scripted. And I will say this, there is nothing wrong with following a script. I follow a script all the time on TV. I have to. We have a short amount of time to accomplish very specific objectives. The problem with scripts is when you deliver them as if it's scripted. When you don't know the questions well enough to be able to just sit here and have the conversation, because there are going to be times in business where that conversation that you want to be very natural actually needs to be very focused and scripted out. Otherwise, that 15 minutes that you asked for with the CEO, because you are, you know, just looking for an informational interview or you're trying to get a foot in the door. Mm -hmm you're not going to maximize that time, right? So there's there's a benefit in both approaches. There's a benefit to being curious, but don't write off the value of having thought through this ahead of time. And I would also say this, if you can't come up with an answer to the question, do not ask it, okay? There's a lot of people that start asking questions and this is like in an interview situation. So a little bit less than this, but you'll get like recruiters, right? Recruiters and hiring managers who wanna go in and ask these crazy questions. You know, like if you were a tree, what kind of a tree would you be and why? Please don't ask questions like that. 
It's a stupid question. That's not going to get an answer, right? If you want to be a true leader in this space, you have to, and, and just a leader in general, you have to think through both sides of the conversation and understand what that other person needs from you. That's whether you are asking a question, whether you are sending an email, if you are only thinking about you, when you're asking the question saying, well, I'm, this is going to be so great because they never saw this coming. Think about how you would feel if the tables were reversed and somebody asked you a question that you didn't see coming, right? No. So there, again, and I'm, I'm not saying that you're doing any of this wrong. I'm just saying for the audience, understand that there's a time and a place for both approaches. And I would love to see people being more intentional in a business setting using your questions. No, I mean, yeah, I think it automatically just depends on the situation and what you're, like you said, what you're trying to get out of the person and whatever. I mean, with a podcast, you know, I said this is like, I, like I always say, I want it to be authentic. I want it to be free flowing, just like you and I sitting at, you know, the wine bar having a glass or whatever. And that way it's more authentic and we're just free flowing off the top of our heads rather than see, being rehearsed. And, and that's what I like. That's I, I love, I love that you use a wine bar. You were talking about wine, or, your wine earlier. I know. I love this. But again, I don't want people to think that it's inauthentic because what you just said right there, and I'm not taking offense to this, but what you just said is that everything I do on TV is inauthentic. Well, no, I, I don't mean that. It is. And I'm not taking it, but what I'm saying is, right, again, you, but, but to you, everything that's authentic has to be off the cuff. That's not true. I can script it and be very authentic and genuine, not only in the words that I use, but how I deliver it and, the, and with the person that I'm talking to. There's nothing wrong with it. I'm just, just think about both sides of this one because there's going to be people right? That will benefit from a different approach on that one. Yeah, no, and it I'm, is, it's time and place dependent. Yeah. So, I mean, you know, when I worked in sports and was doing interviews and stuff like at the collegiate level, yeah, I would sit down and prepare and research. Even when I went to get my master's degree, I was researching everything. You know, we had to do a, a project on, would you build an NFL or professional stadium in a city or whatever? And yeah, so I, yeah, I'm not saying I don't, script anything don't but i'm saying for my podcast and stuff yeah it feels mm -hmm. funny but if i was a broadcast reporter on the sidelines at a professional level i would definitely be sitting in you know i don't know if you sit in the dugout if you're sitting in the stands or whatever but taking notes and working myself to prepare myself for when i go you know if king griffey was still playing go down there and interview him real quick like hey i want to be on top of my game i'm going to impress ken tonight you know and I agree. 100%. You do have to be on your game to talk to Ken. Exactly. I, I've done that many times. You got to be, you got to be on your game. So, yeah. I mean, you're definitely authentic. I'm not saying that by any means. I'm just trying to compare what I do versus what mm -hmm. you do. So and that was all my point of that is. So, yeah. I'm smiling for those who can't tell. I'm smiling. Yeah. <laughs> We're good. 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 Yeah. No, I would never like disauthenticate you by any means. So, yeah. But there's just, uh, there's just, Two different scenarios, two different situations. Yep. That's Absolutely. Awesome. But I know Absolutely. uh we're getting closing on time here. And I had two more questions that were kind of this fun okay. little would you rather questions. So uh to ask I'm a big fan I, I did write rathers. these two down. I did write these two down. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna ask her these. So all right, okay. the first one. Uh if you could play for any fictional sports team, who would it be? I could play for any fictional sports team. Mm -hmm. Like you've seen the movie, TV show, the book. 
Mm-hmm. The one that comes to mind just because I am coming off a hockey season is the Mighty Ducks. Oh, good answer. <laughs> good answer. Yeah. I would like for them to teach me how to skate and shoot a puck, but also, I mean, I can skate. I just can't shoot a puck. Uh, so yeah. I, I, I also think I missed my calling as a hockey player. I may or may not have led, um, the high school league in technical fouls, uh, for a couple of years. So I think I missed my calling as a hockey player. Oh, I would never pay you for a hockey player, but yeah. Okay. I know. I think I should have been one. Yeah. <laughs> There's still Tom. You can always, uh, I guess, you know, with the Kraken, go out there and travel. Yeah, yeah, maybe not. It's a rough sport. Yeah. I, I never had hockey growing up, so I don't really know a lot about it or soccer. So, yeah, I was in a real small rural town. But anyway, the next one is kind of the same thing. If you could be have a professional athlete as your college roommate, who would it be? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> a professional athlete as my college roommate. What? I'm sure that there's a better answer. Also, you have to keep in mind that most of the athletes I cover are men. So I'm going to go to the women's side yeah, of things. I figured that's probably what you do. Um, and I'm going to say Sue Bird. Sue Bird, 21 years. She's going on 22 in the WNBA. Uh, Seattle legend. I've talked to her a few times. I, I think we could have some fun in college. Answer. I like that. Yeah. All right. Well, again, I want to be respectful of your time. So if you want to plug all your stuff, your social medias, your books, all that good stuff. Where yeah, it's pretty easy. Go to the website, talksportytome.com. That's also where you can find me on the socials. And if you have more questions about what I do or how I can help you, the email is jen, J-E-N, at talksportytome.com. Great. Cool. Well, again, thank you for your time. I enjoyed this. It was a fun conversation. Yeah. Absolutely. Thanks, Chris. Everybody, be good to yourselves. We're out of here. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park